he molded and built a small lonely hill that he knew would be called Calvary. Then he made the seeds that would grow to be thorns that would make his son bleed. Then he It's no secret, it's no secret, uh, the conclusion that I'm going to try to draw today with you. Um, there is a ministry of music. There is a ministry of music. And, and before I even give the altar call, I'll tell you what I'm trying to drive towards. When you leave today, I just simply want you to have a greater appreciation 
of the ministry of music. Uh, whenever you uh, hit your knees today, I want you to say, God, thank you for the ministry of music. And you can even ask the Lord to bless the ministry of music that we have here. You can ask uh, God to bless and anoint your ministry that you have in your life. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. No, but if you're saved, you are a minister to others. Uh, and we'll see that here in just a moment. You, I'm going to ask you at the end uh, to ask God to, to let us all be effective to others in our ministry and listen and even be effective to our enemies. I, I went ahead and gave you the altar call. And that's what it's going to be. That's the driving point of the message. But if you have your place there in First Samuel chapter number 16 and verse 14, I would ask that you, if you're able to stand, uh, stand with me, if you will, to reverence God's holy, infallible, inerrant Word. The Bible says in First Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Hmm. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is cunning, who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of his servants, and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the, uh, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in, in playing, and a mighty violent man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person. And the Lord is with him. Wherefore, Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David uh, his son unto Saul. And David said to Saul and stood by him, David came to Saul and stood by him and loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, Let David... I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. You may be seated this morning. We've been going through a, a sermon series on the life of David, and, and the springboard uh, for, for the sermon series is found in the next chapter over in 1 Samuel 17, in verse number 29, where it says, And David said, I ha What have I now done? And here's the key phrase, Is there not a cause? There is a cause, my friend. There is a cause for everything that we do. Even here at University Baptist Church, there's a cause for every little thing. I mean, even the pulpit made of wood, even the Bible being placed up higher than the people. I mean, there's a, there's a cause for everything we do. Whenever the preacher preaches, he typically starts by, by saying something along the lines of, open your Bible. I'm not Jordan Peterson. I'm not a great psychologist. I'm not going to give you a bunch of psychology this morning. I'm not some kind of great 
great philanthropist where I'm going to stand up before you and I'm going to tell you about how we should all give to charity. But what I am is I'm a God-called Bible preacher and I'll tell you to open the Bible because the Word of God is the most important thing that we could hear in today's age. And so just to kind of get you caught up, we, we started really in the middle of the story a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, whenever we looked at David, who was just a, a lowly boy. I mean, he was a shepherd boy. And then God raised him up to be a king. And we saw how he went out against the Philistines. He wasn't scared. Why? Because he was anointed by Almighty God. He was set apart. The, the, the Spirit of God was on him. And, and he went out and he done what others wouldn't do. He was bold. He was courageous. I mean, uh, he had it in him. Uh, he, he got that dog in him, as some would say. I mean, he's ready to go get after somebody. And, and we saw how this little bitty boy, this ruddy boy, just out of nowhere, he stood up and he faced a, a giant. Do you remember how tall that giant was? He was between nine foot three and nine foot nine. Now, some people speculate that David was about 12 years old. Well, I'm about the height of an average 12 year old. So you can imagine me going against somebody that's nine foot nine, my soul. What about that would be? I mean, you, you, you could have somebody saying, all right, standing over here on the left side of the bank. Standing five foot three, two hundred pounds, and over here on the right side of the bank, nine foot nine, a thousand, or whatever. I mean, it was a fight of the century, so big of a fight that we're still talking about it today. And we looked at that, but then we then we stepped back into time and we kind of looked and we examined this guy named Saul. Saul was supposed to be the king. Uh, Saul was supposed to be anointed and set apart by the prophet Samuel to do a work for the Lord. And so there was a test that came to Saul and Saul failed the test. The test came from the Lord to Saul and essentially God told Saul to wipe out everybody and he saved a few people. He didn't listen to the exact orders and so because of that the anointing passed over Saul and then David's first anointing comes by, by this man named Samuel who is a prophet and David is now set apart to do a work for the Lord see Saul was a great wielder of the sword Saul was a great fighter and he had the capabilities of leading a king a kingdom he had a great abilities to, to lead a nation but instead God chose some lowly just just low down shepherd boy out on the back hills of somewhere and he says you're going to be my man and I'm going to raise you up and we're going to see why that is because Saul who just got passed over to be king is about to ask for David who just got anointed and separated to be king. He, he asked for them and you're thinking oh this is great because uh, Saul and David they're coming together. Well hold your horses because in chapter number 18 uh, or later on in, in the yeah, chapter 18 you'll find out that Saul begins to fear David and, and you'll find out that, that Saul and David become enemies. So before we get there, I want to take a look at our passage of Scripture today. And I want to show you some things biblically. And I want to push to one great point. The ministry of music. Look with me if you will in verse number 14. Verse number 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Paul, or from Saul rather. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. So let me try to hit this as best as I can and not get hung up on it. 
Because I tell you, I mean, it's like fishing for me. You get out there and you fish and you get your hook on a stump. I'll just keep circling and circling until I get off. I'm going to try to hit it and we'll move on. I want you to understand the Spirit of the Lord departing from, from Saul. Is that applicable in the New Testament? No, it is not. Because on the day of Pentecost, the Comforter came for us and He indwells in us. So in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God wouldn't necessarily live in you, but He would come upon you and He would be saturated all around you. That's why in the Old Testament they would beg God not to leave them. They would beg God, God, I don't want to be away from your presence. I, I want to feel the touch from all high. I want to feel the Holy Ghost in my life. I want to feel the Spirit of God in my life. In the Old Testament it was kind of loaned out and, and your righteousness dictated how much of it you, you got. In the New Testament it never goes away. Now that, 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 that feeling of the Spirit may go down but it never completely goes away. Here we find in chapter number uh, 16 and verse number 14 but the Spirit of the Lord went away. It departed. It said goodbye. I'm gone. Why is it that God would allow one of His children in the Old Testament to, to have His Spirit departed? And why is it that an evil spirit God would send? judgment is judgment sin has consequences and we may think that we're getting away with it and we may wink at sin in our day and age of grace and say well it's under the blood and praise god it's always under the blood i'm so glad no matter how wicked and how rotten of a nasty of a sin that i commit i can always take it and put it at the feet of jesus and say father forgive me and he'll forgive me every time and i thank god for that but the new testament says that we should not uh, turn to the grace of god into seriousness that we should not continue on into sin so that grace may, may abound God forbid it means that we just don't have a license to willingly sin yes we'll still go to heaven but there's still judgment to suffer you can't be a child of the God uh, of God and go out living and be as wicked and, and act like a lost man and not suffer the consequences. The Bible says, whom God loveth, he chasteneth. Whom God loves, he corrects. Whom God loves, he breaks out that old leather belt and he tans your hiding. That's exactly what's going on here in the Old Testament. He's saying, you're not even going to be in my presence. I'm not even going to come visit you because you need to see just what you've done. I mean, Saul, I raised you up and I had these great plans to prosper you. But no, you thought that you could do it without God. And so I'm going to show you, Saul, just how much you need me. See, the whole point of the consequence, the whole point of the judgment is so that Saul will learn a lesson. So that Saul will want to come back and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I need your presence. Lord, I need your touch. That's the whole point. And so God took his spirit from him. But notice the second part. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Is God evil? No. God's not evil. Did God create evil? God created everything, right? Let me tell you what God is. God is love. God is holy. God is compassionate. God is just. God is long-suffering. God is full of wrath and indignation. There's a balance, friend. He's not evil. But there is one that is. And that's Satan. Lucifer. Who we remember in our study in angelology was the heavenly 
choir director. I mean, he was made of pipes and, and drums and small drums. I mean, he was a beautiful creature. But Satan took what God had that was holy and corrupted it, perverted it, twisted it, and made it evil. I mean, even in, over there in the book of Job, Satan comes on the scene and he says, I'm going to trouble all these people. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? He said, I'm going to let your evilness go to one of my children because he's going to be tested and he's going to be tried and I'll prove to you, Satan, you're no match for him because I'm still his heavenly father. God will permit evil. Why is there cancer in the world? Why are there AIDS in the world? Why are there sickness in the world? To remind humanity that we don't have it all figured out. That we do have to go to a thrice holy God and say, God, we're spinning around in chaos. God, we think we got it figured out. And everything that we do in the name of progress, God, is a digression. Everything that we do, saying we're moving on to help the human race. God, we're going backwards. Sin is prevalent more than ever before. Drugs are on an all-time high. I mean, suicide is at an all-time rate. And we wonder why in the world God's not here hearing us but he is hearing us but we won't repent we won't repent we say we still don't need God so notice that God sends this just to get Saul's attention I'm so glad the day that God showed me I was lost when I was an atheist I didn't even believe in God and thought that God wouldn't even save me and I remember that was a long altar call they played a song called East to West by casting crowns for about 15 minutes. And it took 15, 14 minutes and 59 seconds for me to come out from behind a pew and find myself in an altar. I'm glad for long altar calls because I was wrestling with the Lord. But God had to get my attention and tell me that I was lost and I needed Him and He's the only one that could save me. And here David is. He's, he's the Spirit of God has departed from him. And he's, 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 he's living in bondage. God allows judgment on His people. Let me show you verse 15. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. The life Saul that now is, he's living is a bad life he's living. I mean, he's probably smoking up his cigarettes. He's, he's probably just, just dr- dump, dumping back the whiskey. I mean, he's probably just a wreck. I mean, he's probably living reckless at this point. So much that even his servants are looking at him and saying, Lord... What have you done to him? Lord, uh, Saul is, is not right. This was once God's great man and he's just not living right. Uh, he, he, he does this and, and you see the life he, he lives. My friend, sin will take you so much further than you ever intended it to go. And it will cost you more than you ever wanted it to pay. And, and it will take you and keep you there longer than you want to stay. So much that even others around you will say, you're out of the will of God. It'll happen, friend. It'll happen. But here's the silver lining. I want you to notice verse 16. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. There is a ministry in music. Think about it, friend. His servants didn't say, hey, go get the preacher. 
Go get the preacher. I need the preacher to come down here, look him in the eyeballs, and tell him how wicked he is. That ain't what the Scripture said. The Scripture didn't say, hey, go get the Sunday school teacher and tell him all of... Have him open up his Bible and tell him this is what you're doing wrong. This is how you got to get it right. That's not what happened. He didn't say, go get the prophet Samuel. Samuel ought to know what to do. No. They said, go get the minister of music, Miss Barbara. They said, they said, go get somebody that knows how to play an instrument, Miss Polly. They said, they said, go find somebody that can play an instrument well, that has an anointing on their life, that is called by Almighty God to work a ministry through music. Oh, and let them play well. And so there's a ministry in music. They asked for some music to be played. Can we all just take a time out just for a moment? Just for a moment here. You ain't got to be as carnal as me. But can we just say we appreciate all kinds of music? I mean, music just does something to you. I, I, even, even if it's secular music. I mean, I can't... I mean, every time I watch Rocky Four, I'm talking about it and Survivor comes on or Journey, whichever band it is, and Rocky's out there and he's, he's running up and down in the snow and you hear that... And you hear that guitar hit. I'm, out, I'm, in, I'm in there standing there with him like, let's go get that Russian, Rocky. Let's get him. And I start feeling pretty good. I mean, in the burning heart is what the song is. I mean, you start feeling good. You ready to hit a punching bag. I mean, there's just something good about music. And there's something about it that just gets you going. Can we all just admit that? Maybe I'm the only one that's, that's wicked this morning and just admit it to, to liking some 80s rock music. But what I'm trying to say is there is a ministry of music. Now we can, we can come in here and we can worship and, and there's different styles of, 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 of sounds. We, we have our piano, we have our guitar, we, we have our choir. There's different sounds and, and it all has a purpose. Listen, it all has a purpose. There are some songs that are beautiful. There's a, there's a song called uh, Turn the Tide uh, that, that uh, the Crown College song and Miss Ab- Abigail Miller, she wrote it many years ago and it's so soft. But I mean, you get to listen to that, and all of a sudden you're you're an American. You want to wave a you want to wave an American flag. I mean, I, I mean, you just you ready. I mean, you hear you hear eagles soaring. I mean, and, and I mean, you're just ready. Turn the tide, God. Our our nation's in turmoil. God, only you can bring us back. And then 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 you hear something like that I'd like the way you hear a little banjo music playing from out of the mountains. That Appalachian music. Talking about it's still the blood that saves from sin. Still the blood that cleanses from in. And you got a steel guitar and you got a banjo. And I mean, it's just good. It gets on and, 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 the, and the music just stirs in our hearts. And it just does something for us. I, I can think back on times where in my life where me and Taylor were just so distraught. We were about to go back to the mountains. And I remember uh, there was a Facebook um, a video that was put out and, and, uh, and a well-known pe- people that we know, the Lindsay's family gets on there and, and Lauren Powell stands up and, and you can tell as she was singing, listen, listen, she was anointed by Almighty God. There was an anointing on her life where God had called her out for that special moment to sing into that camera and go, go and put that video on Facebook and, and she sung a song and Miss Rhonda has sung it here. If it matters to you, it matters to the Master and oh my, how Lauren Powell, she sung that song and, and the 
presence of God was all on her and so much that it left that place right there where they were in Louisiana and it came all the way up to the place called Tabor City, North Carolina and then the presence of God touched down right there in that living room and met with us. There was anointing. There was an anointing on the minister of music's life to so much that it went through the means of a cell phone and the presence of Almighty God met with us in that room and I can think of times where we're driving down the road in that Ford Explorer and new manna will come on and, and they'll say, uh, I'll take Jesus and my poor little wife, she'll get over there and just get to sniffling like she does and I'm sitting there trying to be a tough man and act like it ain't affecting me too. <clears throat> and then we, we, we get to thinking about how, how that songwriter will say that the, the world is trying to tempt us to turn around and deny Jesus' name and how appealing and how easy it would be at any point in our life just to throw in the towel, just be like all our, our buddies and just go uh, have Sunday fun day and go out on the lake and go to the beach and go to the mountains. How simple that would be just to just get rid of it all. I think about those times where even I want to quit the ministry. And I think about even the times I want to quit being uh, a Christian. And the times where I'm thinking, I don't even think it's worth it anymore. And then there's a song that will come in my heart. I think about the time whenever I was a little boy, or a younger man I should say, and and I just got called to preach. I was a freshman at Fruitland Baptist Bible College up in Hendersonville. And And I think about the time where I was on break and I came back and there I am in my little room studying and my... My dad's in the other room and he's drunk. I mean, he's drunk off his rear and he's drunk as a skunk. And I remember my dad who once saw be a Sunday school teacher and I once saw be a deacon. There he is. He's drunk in the other room. And, and I said, Daddy, I said, let me tell you about what I found out in the, in the Word of God here. And he immediately says, Son, he said, I don't care what you say, God ain't real. I don't care what's, what's in that book. It's written by man. And it broke me. It broke me. I didn't know what to do. I never thought my daddy... Of all people would tell me that I just need to quit the ministry. I need to stop going to church. God's not right. I never saw it coming. And then I remember that hymn, Though the world despise forsake thee, take it to the Lord in prayer. And I remember God meet me right there in that back bedroom as just a young boy, a young uh, minister at Fruitland saying, God, you saved me off a pew. And God, you called me, but God, the world is despising me, and God, the world is forsaking me, God, my own father is telling me to quit, and I remember it was on a Wednesday night, and I went to Daniel Town Baptist Church, and Creighton Lovis was there, and I said, listen, pastor, I know you're the pastor, and what you says goes, and I know you have an order of music, and that's fine, because we never took up requests, I said, but pastor, there's a song on my heart. Can we sing this hymn right here? And by the time we got that verse, I remember I just I just lifted up my hands and, and I bowed my head and I said, God, you gotta meet with me right now, because if you don't, I'm gonna walk out and I'll never come back. And I remember, I remember, listen, the anointing on David Moore's hands. David has suffered many a stroke and, and he's real slow and he drags a lot on the, the piano. But as he sung that so I played that song over and over and over, as they, as we turned that pew into an altar of prayer, he hit every single note with boldness. I'm talking about it says if God anointed his fingertips, as if God had met down with us in a little bitty place called Daniel Town. And I remember just those seven little church members I saw they had, those seven little church members coming over, and people that don't pray out loud, they started praying. And people that, that don't talk to God, they started talking to him. And I just remember feeling the presence of Almighty God. What are you saying, preacher? There's a ministry in music. There's a ministry 
in music. I want you to realize, look at verse number 17. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Saul realized he needed the ministry of music. Some of you may need the ministry of music this morning. When we get up and sing our songs, the best songs that we sing, in my opinion, are congregationals. And I'll tell you why. I never, I never want the choir to stop singing. I love a choir. Y'all know that. But, but the reason why congregationals are the best is because you get to sing it. And we're not just standing up here performing. But we all get to sing. As children of God, we, uh, Saul realized where he was. Listen, Saul realized the judgment that he was under. Saul realized that he just needed a touch from God and he needed it through the ministry of music. Think about that as we sing our songs. Think about that as, we, as we, uh, we're not just going through the motions. The, those, those lyrics are powerful. I understand they're 100 and 200 and 300 years old. Some of them are, are about 500 years old. But listen... Those writers were anointed by God. Think about Franny Crosby and all those songs that she wrote all throughout them, them years and her physical ailments. But God anointed her and set her, set her apart to where she wrote a lot that's in our hymn books, especially in that red back hymnal. Think, think about so many that's in our Baptist hymnal today. Think about so many that's in that old green Broadman hymnal. I was raised, raised up on that one too. Think about the anointing. Think about, hey listen, God ain't done anointing music ministers today. Think about the songs that are even coming out even today that does still have the touch of Almighty God on it. That, that, I mean, they just come out with one last year. The half hasn't been told. Let me tell you about that song. The half hasn't been told is a very special song. Whenever we went up to the Arise Conference last year up at the LeConte Center in Pigeon Forge, C.T. Townsend's ministries was, was there. It was his, his show, if you will. I remember, listen... I remember the last night, they had about a hundred and so people in the youth choir. I mean, we have high school kids, we have college age students that are there, and they're singing The Half Hasn't Been Told over and over for about 30 minutes. I mean, it just kept going because that was about the longest altar call I've seen all week. Did you know that 42 people came during that altar call and got saved? 42 people. And praise the Lord for that. I mean, there's a ministry in music. Now let me say this kind of as a sidebar. The night where everybody, or the most people got saved, 63 people got saved on the night. But it was, it was ironically, it wasn't whenever a whole lot of music was going on. He said, why did 63 people get saved? Why did, the, why did the most people get saved on this night? Because the old preacher opened up his Bible and said, turn it to Luke chapter 16. And he preached on the reality of hell. Nobody wants to hear about that anymore. And he preached for an hour and ten minutes on the reality of hell. And people weren't walking. They were running to that altar. I mean, people getting saved left and right. So the Word of the Lord is the most important thing. But second to it is the ministry of music. The ministry of music. Notice verse 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing and a mighty violent man and a man of war and prudent in matters and a comely person. So Saul, as the service goes out, and they find somebody with musical talents. But watch the second part. Watch the second part of, of verse 18. A comely person... And watch the very last, word, uh, very last part of the sentence. 
And the Lord is with him. And the Lord is with him. Y'all see that? Not only did this person have a talent, the Lord is with him. I've gotten to the point in my life, I know what Christian entertainment sounds like and looks like. A lot of time, you'll have some man up there with hair as long as Aubrey's, and he whips that mic and whips his hair, and he just whips it. Whips it real good. And that's Christian entertainment. And that's good. I like Christian entertainment. I can get down with some Christian entertainment. But then there's something real special when you have three, four nobodies in some random trio stand here, here, and here. And they stand real still. And God just meet with those three people as they hold that mic and they sing out from the heart. What's the difference? The Lord is with them. You don't have to have musical talent for God to use you musically. I'm living proof. Y'all just heard that. But what I'm saying is everybody can sing a song from the heart. I mean, you ain't got to sing on key. Y'all know Troy Tucker. He's about four octaves off every time we sing. That's why we stick him in the back of the choir. But we also stick him in the back of the choir, back in my home choir, because he's loud. And he sings from the heart. Now, now would y'all attest that the Lord is with Brother Troy Tucker? Oh, yes. I mean, that, that man is... As he sings. The man's preaching while he sings. He, can't, he has what they call can't help it. He just can't help but praise the Lord in a Baptist church. He, he just can't help it. God's been so good to him. And here Saul says, I need somebody that has the touch of God on them in my life to minister to me. My friend, whenever a, 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 sometimes we call them performance, but whenever a singer gets on stage, it's not always a performance. Sometimes the Lord really is with them. And God can move through those song services. Let me get on to the good part. Look, look, let's look at verses 19, 20, 21. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David, thy son, which is with thy sheep. And, to, and Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David. And his Saul said, and son sent unto Saul. Um, verse 21. And David came to Saul and stood before him. Pay attention to that. And loved him greatly and became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me. He hath found favor in my sight. Listen, before the ministry of music can begin, right there with Saul and David, the presence of God met with Saul. How do you know that? Notice right there where it says, And David came to Saul and stood before him. Remember, remember, don't miss this. This is, this is contingent on the whole message. Remember earlier I said the presence of the Lord had departed from Saul? He's at, he's, all he's asked is somebody to come bring the banjo in. He said, that ain't what the Word of God says. The Word of God says a harp. You're absolutely right. I believe David brought a harp because they hadn't invented the banjo yet. A little humor there. But, but, but no, he brings the harp in. And that's all he wants to hear is some good old mountain bluegrass. That's all he wants to hear is some beautiful music. But then David's there, and David probably comes along the line and says, Hey, Saul, I know I'm going to be the king. I know it's not going to be you, but you ain't got to hate me for it. I bet you Saul wanted to right there in that moment. It's you. 
You got picked over me. So I just want you to know God's not done with you yet. But you have a choice to make. Are you done with God? The Bible doesn't say, but I do realize that David stood before Saul. Something had to be said. He had to at least ask him, right, what you want to play? You want to play Dooley? You have the Darlings, Andy Griffin? Have y'all saved this morning? You, 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 want to, you want to play this song here? What, what selection do you want to play? He had to say something. Don't know what he said. I believe the anointing of God was so real on David that David was ministering to his enemy and didn't even care. The presence of God had walked back in the room to where Saul was. Before the music, the ministry of music began, the presence of God met with him. So much that the presence of God got all over Saul, that Saul began to love his enemy. Look, look there in verse 21. And he loved him greatly. I like this guy. You know what? You're all right, buddy. You're all right. I tell you what, old, old David. Little big fella here. You, you're going to be a great king one day. Hey, he ain't started playing music yet. That comes in the next verse. He ain't started playing yet. I believe that he was ministering to Saul and he was finding his needs. And he found favor in my sight. Man, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Hey, not only that, is he, he became his, his armor bearer. Now that word armor bearer, I don't want you to look over that. I don't want to hit this and move on. An armor bearer in those days was someone who can be trusted. David was anointed and he could be trusted. An armor bearer was also somebody that stands by in time of danger. Saul's on dangerous ground. He's under the judgment of God. And he comes in and ministers to him. But I also think about Spiritually speaking, I remember being a young preacher boy. I remember hearing other preachers that were behind great men of God like I was behind a great man of God. And I remember how they taught us in seminary to be an armor bearer. Back in those days, those mighty men of war, they would eventually get tired of carrying their own stuff. You ever heard of a caddy? The golfers? As athletic as they are, they get tired of carrying their own clubs. <clears throat> An armor bearer is somebody that would go in behind the person in war, and when the javelin and the spear hit them and knocked them down, the armor bearer would take that sword out and finish the work of the soldier and chop the head of the enemy off. And I, they taught me in seminary that us young preacher boys, we are armor bearers. We are behind the great men of God. Who's older? Well stricken in years, as the Bible says. And eventually they'll get tired. And they'll do all they can. And they'll throw a javelin. Or they'll penetrate the, the enemy. But when they step off the scene, we have to continue their work. David's being prepared. David is being prepared to be the king in the presence of his enemy as he ministers to his enemy. Isn't that just astounding, preposterous even, to think about? But look with me and we'll draw the conclusion. Look with me in, in, in verse 23. 
And it came to pass, this is after he ministers to him, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp. He's finally playing the music. And played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. I want you to notice this. David didn't sing. He played. Wow. David was a great composer. We can see that in the book of the Psalms. As a matter of fact, in 2 Chronicles, the Bible goes as far to say that he was the sweetest psalmist in all of Israel. That means that he was, he was the most poetic and the most gifted songwriter of all the land. The man can write songs, he can write music, he can sing from the heart. But he just played. I've learned this in my study of music. There's a lot in the frequency and the vibrations. Secular language don't understand what they're saying when they say we're praying. or Thoughts and prayers and good vibes. Good vibes. What they're saying is vibrations. They don't realize that that's actually biblical. The frequency even of my voice and the cadence of my voice has a lot to do with how you engage, does it not? Yes. Same with music. The tempo. How Miss Polly plays and Sometimes she really gets into it and it's good. And sometimes she's real soft and eloquent and it's good. The tempo, the vibrations, the frequency is all there to minister to us. He just plays. I don't know what he played, but I do know a harp is very, has, a, has a nice melody to it. It was probably softer music. It probably soothed him. Don't forsake the ministry of music. Even if it's slow, even if it's fast, even if it's upbeat and bouncy, even if it's not so much, there's still a ministry in music. David didn't sing, he played. Let me say this morning, we need God's touch on our music. I'm not saying it's not there. We need it on the music just as much as I need God's touch every time I preach. We need it on the music just as much as I need God's help for me to drive to church. We need God's touch. How do we get it? We don't focus on the performance. We focus on God. Listen, listen. We get into the presence of God and God will do the rest of the music. When you're focused on the Lord, things will just flow through the music. It must begin in our hearts. I believe David wanted to talk to him because he had a heart for ministry. My friend, I don't know what your ministry is. It might be music. Step out into it. Share it with the whole world. Whether it be up here on the platform, out here in the congregational, online, whatever that looks like, out on the corner, a nursing home ministry, whatever that looks like. Whether it's music, preaching, anything else. Maybe, maybe your ministry is just friendship. Some people are just good friends. That's your ministry. Let God anoint you in that ministry. I believe that was also one of David's ministries. This morning, we need to ask the Lord to bless our music. We need to ask the Lord to anoint our ministries and we need to ask God to let us be effective even to our enemies. 
It's easy for me to preach a gospel that Jesus saves to whosoever will in a church service. What about when I'm on the street corner and everybody calls me a bigot? And everybody tells me I'm what's wrong with America because I believe all 66 books of this King James Bible. What about it then? What about it then whenever I'm standing there on the street corner in downtown Asheville and that LGBTQ mafia comes up and they tell me I'm what's wrong with America. And all I'm doing is saying that if the God of heaven can save an old backwards atheist like me, he loves you just the same, he'll save you. God don't want you to change, ma'am. God don't want you to change, sir. God wants you to come just as you are to him, and he'll take care of the rest. Oh, but I was a bigot. Oh, I was a scoundrel. I was everything else on the sun. How are you going to minister to those that don't believe like you? Are you going to get mad and ball up your fist and tell them what for? David didn't do that. David had the ministry of love. And I believe David told him the truth. Saul, you messed up, but there's always grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's right. Saul, you really did it this time, but God will take you. The choice is yours. I don't know. Why don't you have an altar call? So David preaches his message. He breaks out that harp and they have an altar call. Isn't that precious, friend? We're about to have an altar call now. And however the Lord is speaking to you,